0: Hello and welcome to a new episode of the Corporate Break podcast. What did business executives learn from 2020? 2020 tested the entire global economy and its stress for term business leaders where they had to respond to a very demanding environment by being both decisive reactionist and rapid innovator. That meant organizations had to operate in two different moods, reacting quickly and effectively to our crisis. A change in the business environment, shift in consumer behavior in parallel to embodying the train of an accelerated transformation. We have learned strategies in the static, also, get to know the balance between reaction and innovation, and we understood that people should be at the core of what, bu- what business does. In this episode, we continue the discussion about the importance of communication alignment in the briefing process while running multi-functions and complex projects. We ask ourselves a lot of questions. Among them is lowering costs the primary objective for a business. How to build sustainable business? What are we learning from Apple getting to the EV business? What did we learn about Apple's history with Blackberry and Nokia? How to create engaging and customer-focused teams? Understand how essential learning and development to business transformations. How could we uh, as a people managers hire for tomorrow? Last but not least, is employment the only way to get the job done for the business? Is the industry actually ready for the new work environment? Please join us in episode 10, part 2.
1: let's start yeah and this is the first time we've actually seen these they have been sitting on the, our table since the beginning of the podcast but we haven't actually seen these so we're interested to know what they are as well so you want me to slide one first yes you like let's me to read up. it out yes let's pick up the one okay so i will pick up one mind uh states honored groups move onto other assignments without a debriefing on previous initiatives so then I need to now group this into whether it's uh, strategically fast or slow. Yes, and uh, please remember
2: that this strategically fast is related to slow down to speed up, and then the slow component, or slow strategy is the component that's trying to maximise the, the operational uh, operational task, but in the same time they don't look at the strategy.
1: Okay, so I would say my own groups move on to other assignments without debriefing on previous initiatives is slow.
0: Why? is that
1: uh, for me I think that's because they're trying to be so fast and uh, change so quickly they don't even have the clear uh, communication what I kind of mentioned earlier about having that chance to actually communicate to your team why you're making a change that for me seems a bit more like uh, when you're firefighting something has changed on the market something's changed within your business so you changed your direction right away without properly uh, rolling off of your previous strategy.
0: Right, um, mine is basically says is, is success is based on the ability to improve quality and lower cost.
2: Um, this this is tricky, because uh, this is what you can think is the main uh, kind of a main. Role or main task of the company, but think about think about whether this is like an old paradigm or the new paradigm. Is it something that will bring us the, the value in the future, or we can put it in the middle and then we'll see if we found a contradictory statement for this.
0: I, I just I don't want to take long of it, but to me is more that that's to me is like strategically s, um, fast companies for, for one reasons because. I think, this is, goes back to my argument earlier on, there's two faults to I me mean in doing a business. It, you're about running your businesses and then kind of having uh, discoveries of a new things that you have to do. And this is, to me, fundamental to fix and fast because that that's the core of your business, or at least in, in, in your the business setup. But and then you have other parts of it, which is you need to maybe take it a bit of slow, say, i.e. you want investment on and new products and you might see okay, you went down the roads, like, for example, like now, Apple cars, like Apple has been talking a lot about creating an EV, and that's kind of, they killed the project, and then they put it back again, but why they put it back again? Because one, because Apple product right now, they make most of their profitable mobile phones, but for how long they could make that up? They have to come up with something else, and you see a hive in EVs industries, and there whereas they start partnering with others, not necessarily. I think building the car themselves, I think they would end by having only software, they just plug it in in another car manufacturer. Mm-hmm. So, for example, Tesla, they have the product and they have the car, both of it. Mm-hmm. But I think knowing Apple, they would not invest in, in, a, in a car factory, but they're going to just only build the software. And any car company comes in, just take out the, the software and just plug it in their cars. So I believe really, it, exa- yeah. it's the opposite of what they've done in their competition with Android. So, they compete with Android with both a high end product and, and software. But now they're going to do exactly the same things in Android. You know why? Because they know they can't compete with Tesla. But they can't compete with Tesla if
2: their margin is very high and this only comes from software. I have one as well. I want to game. Be, uh, besides, I prepare it, I want to also play it. <laughs> you know so the answer? So, my statement says that team members sometimes switch responsibility to make things easier for one another. And this is something obvious, meaning that this is like a backup structure, basically. So, I'm doing something and then if I'm on leave or I'm on a sick leave, Kevin knows how to do my job as well. But then for the company that actually are rushing or are, they are like accelerating things in the same time, there is no time for training. So sometimes somebody is leaving and then everybody is surprised that there's nobody who can like, cover this. So for me, this is, besides this is obvious, it's still something for, uh, something for the, like, this new, new, new way of looking at the strategy. Also, because this is something that gives our people possibility to grow. So if somebody wants to develop and wants to have another responsibility, is like a perfect example so i'm i have my uh, my piece of cake but then i can also try something else in the different part of company so for me this is like a new way of looking at the strategy
1: yeah makes sense okay my uh one now reads success is based on the ability to explore new technologies so for me i think that's the would be for the the fast companies this is A little bit like going back to what we're saying about saying uh, Apple, Tesla, was that you need to have that pause and reflection where you can say, okay, what is the next stage? Yes, what I do now is successful. What I do now is makes me a market leader. But do you want to be a Nokia or Blackberry or do you want to be uh, an Apple or Tesla? Is that where you need to take that next step? Exactly like Ben what you stated with Apple looking forward and saying, okay, phones are the, the key point now. What is it going to be in the future? There's a big market open up in the next 10-15 years. They want to be part of it. So that would be for uh, fast.
0: And it's really interesting, right? Because they knew how they beaten Nokia and Blackberry and the traditional phones. And they know where the, what was their bitfall pitfalls and, and and you know they learn from it, right? They, they don't the want to end they don't want to end by the same scenarios yeah. by being left left behind, right? For
1: me it's the pause and reflect on. It. Yeah, they've exactly. paused, they've reflect. What this is where next? we are, where do we actually want to go?
0: So my statement says time is really made for training and education and think that's kind of a slow and I would like this point. So this is for the slow A strategic slow companies. Um there's many training and development. Okay, so I think training and development is all the time being overlooked because it's just a pure cost center and the benefit is not like hard dollars, right? They don't they, the company will invest in peoples, but they don't see the rewards coming on immediately and then out, it's also out of phase that they lose those people to someone else. But I think that's not entirely true. We talked about earlier on. So if you train people, you take care of them and their developments and you know, show them, build a nice roadmap for their careers. They tend to stay longer in your in your business than you might think, right? But there's many strategies to that. Of course, there's some companies that like one day, literally, people doesn't do anything else. There's one day in a month or in a the week they only do training. They don't touch emails, They don't go to production lines. They just take, do that. But why I think that will shift. Um, I have a theory we talked about earlier on and I think we left it kind of open to do another podcast for it. I think we will reach a point where employment is not the only way to do a job. And basically whereas we have a shift in the economy, the labour market toward more of a, a gig economy become really a major player in it. And basically the responsibility of training and development shifts from the business to your own. So you have to you, yourself have to take care of yourself. And of course, you're going to price that out in your, your value in market, right? Whether you're a contract or whether even you're employed. If you have got a certificate or you've been trained, professionally trained, and so on, basically you increase your value in market. So, this is where we're moving to more a human become a true asset. Mm-hmm. And it might be a bit it might be challenging for people, but this is where we're heading to and I think there's a lot of counter-arguments saying well that's what happen because well taxes, regulations, that's meaning you pay your taxes to where you do the work etc but it's not really entirely true because I think people tend to forget that fundamentally you pay taxes based on two things either your passport, which is the case of US, doesn't matter where you reside that's why when you go and subscribe for any services or you get any revenue saying take off you're not a US citizen because in that case U.S. citizen has to pay tax no matter where they are to the U.S. government. Yeah. But I think you know, tax, tax legislation will just evolve and develop and will support that more flexible work environment than we think today. And I think that that's, that's a kind of shift in paradigm. But currently, that's why a company does not invest in that because they, they can't have a hard dollar to it. Value.
2: There's also a link to the job that I did in the previous podcast. So, what if we don't train our people and they will stay in the company?
0: It's a question mark, and the answer is not black and white. It depends what you want to do, because there's a lot of other companies too. They say, we're not training our people for today's job, but tomorrow's a job, mm-hmm. right? And you might, okay, and then this leads a bigger topic and think the whole thing, the, the whole HR management, the whole HR development as a function within every business we have around us it has evolved. I remember in the past it's been looked at as a negative if you have a knowledge in every topic, bits, bits, bits of your topics. So like you, you have a competence in finance, you have an IT, etc. They kind of don't like that. They want to have core skills, they hire for core skills. If you're applying for yeah. finance functions, they'd like to see a person seven years plus in that functions. They don't give a damn about anything else. But now it's kind of changing. You know why? Because they see the benefit of having multi-competence assets. right? So I think, and this is for reasons, because in the past, you, when you do an interview, the hiring managers compare a person against a person, meaning Ben versus Kevin candidate. How much Ben has in finance, how much Kevin has in finance, because he's hiring for finance, or she is hiring for finance. But today, the competition is not anymore people-to-people, people, it's people-to-technology. Technology has the ability to multitask. You have an example, the ERP system can do all of the things, end-to-end, right? It can do from AP up to, I don't know, recording, reporting, or consolidations, right? So now they look at, Ben has a four years of finance, two years in IT, two years in project management, two years in lean success as more valuable than somebody else coming with 15 years finance. So that shift in paradigm causing that, agen- that that part of the agenda going high on every company's strategy, people's agenda, learning and development, building that core, building a profile where there's a core competence, there's an a, auxiliary competence or desired competence. And I think this is where they have to consider not training
2: people of today's job, but tomorrow's job. I think in the future we can have a instead of finance people, we can have IT people with finance knowledge. It doesn't matter, but this
0: is the thing. Because why? You need people. So the machines, we start, the machine is the benchmark. It's not anymore another profile of people, right? It's not not like I'm hiring for jobs that requires uh, experience for at least nine years of finance, and therefore my benchmark of all of my candidate to that nine, right? Now you benchmark to machines. And the machine does not work. Machines not yet. They cannot work without the humans' intervention, interventions or giving inputs to the machines. So if you have a platform that multitask, you need people to multitask, and you need people to able to understand not only the finance competence or the requirement of finance, but also a bit of the IT. And then, okay, not only doing that, if I'm doing transformation, I need a bit of 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 um, project management, or. If I want to drive efficiencies, oh, I need a team lead who has a people management experience, has an experience in the process as such, understand a bit of the IT aspects, and could run the projects, and to drive efficiency with six sigma design thinking. So you look at the whole things, and this is really big, a big time for training and development.
2: Yeah, moving on. My statement is about the people focus on their own responsibility to ensure that the work gets done, and this is like a contradiction to what I had before meaning uh, the team that are sharing the knowledge and they are sharing responsibilities. Here we have uh, people who are focused only, or only on the part of the job that they're delivering and they basically don't care about everything else. This is also related to people or to the kind of uh, organization approach where the people don't need to be trained because they know
1: what they do best. A little bit like what you're mentioning about uh, somebody with 15 years experience in one area compared to one person who's maybe got seven years experience but in two or three different areas. This is where that comes in. Sometimes you want the one person to be purely working in that one area but then of course it brings in, is it, have they had time to develop? Are they really looking for improvement ideas? Are they really trying to be innovative? If the company changes strategy, is that person going to be able to change with it? This is an interesting. And, and, and
0: this is actually a comparison between having operations and incentive accidents, for example. And, and, and let's see, reflect back on a bit of the, the shared service centers, right? On so BBOs, for example, um, and one year back office functions, um, regardless. So, if you have a profile, again, this is the thing: hiring is not a rigid structure, it's not like framework, like you look in, I need a person to tick all of these boxes. But the problem is, you are again, if you say, I need a person to take all of these boxes, my immediate question to the hiring manager is, is those boxes requirement, takes your requirement of today, or is tomorrow? I doubt that anyone think of the long term, he needs, or she needs, a person just to fall in a seat, on the floor, to do a specific job. But if I would be more strategic person, and this reflection back in a chess and checkers, is like all that's connected, right? So, no. Because if you're a chess manager, a chess yes. player, and the kind of management, you look to the board, right? You will think, okay, if I move that piece, what my counterpart will do, your counterpart in real life, is the market conditions. What's going to happen? If I tomorrow? imagine you hire all of your staff in operations, all of them core finance. I, just an example right now, right? tomorrow when you run transformation, you hire an, another you have to scale up your headcount by 15% because you don't have the competence to run exp, sc- sc- expansion or you have to invest in consulting. right? So there's many players and this is where you don't hire for today but you hire for
2: tomorrow.: But this is, this is uh, something that can be visible also in the wording, meaning versatile management. This is what we talked about in the previous period. This kind of a statement wasn't existing like five ten years ago. This is kind of a new definition of the manager who can actually be very flexible in their job.
1: Yeah. Again, it refers back to refers back to where we talk about training. You have to enable people to have opportunity for training, and then that might be a way to cut down on attrition. That might be a way to empower your employees to change. Like you said, so you've got a pure finance team, but you need to change. So what do you do? Do you make redundancies and hire new people with a different set of expertise or do you actually allow them time to actually train themselves to be prepared for the challenges of tomorrow, the challenges of next year, the challenges of two years. Mm -hmm. So it's a natural flow of these employees and after that seven years of them working for you, they've got that two or three different uh, experiences with expertise
0: that is the thing. So if you have people agenda part of your strategy, your strategic, you know, roadmap in any business, you, you can't. The strategy can't be for five years and you're hiring only for tomorrow, for for today. It's like if you hire, oh, I need an, an admin doing an EP processes, right? Yeah, but if you hire only for EP processes, that person will not last long because you know that they just they're, this is going to turn all around, right? Are you really hiring? A person only to do a repetitive tasks? If yes, and then it doesn't make sense, you know why? Because this you're gonna know at some point in, in, in the near future will be taken down by technology. So why you hire somebody today to to let go and two years later because that person either doesn't have other competence that your business would need or you haven't invested in that person to develop that competence that your business needs. So it's again where you sit and what you want to do. But I think Again, you don't hire for today, you hire for tomorrow.
1: So, uh, my statement was that, moving on, was that actually it's funny how it kind of interlinks that we've picked these at random, but uh, it's employees fine tune offerings to keep current customers satisfied. So, this is again a little bit of maybe, I would say again, that would be for the the statistically slow, because this is having that, again, maybe design thinking tool where they are being user-centric, they're thinking of their customers, but it's also a training. You need to be able to train your finance expert to actually think about the user. You need to train your person in the IT department to think about the user. Mm-hmm. It's not just a case of, I'm right, you're wrong. Is that? Uh, it's also not a case of the you know the customer is always correct because it's always true. It needs to be this working relationship with them. You need to make their satisfaction, but it needs to be a satisfaction for both.
0: So um, senior leaders are closely aligned and committed to initiatives um, success. I think that's kind of fast, um, but I will reflect a bit on this because um, I do work in project environments, and I think. And then looked back and reflecting back in a few places that I worked for and there, there is a there, there is all the time this comparison between what the advantage and the disadvantage of centralized and decentralized organizations and I think there's one and, and previously I worked in a company where it is totally decentralized because they needed the business to speak the language of the market so they let them do whatever they want and the, of course the back office functions follows that in talking here about pure finance functions i think the key alignment is very really important but you have to have that mindset and place where basically think globally act locally mm-hmm. you have to start from somewhere but you don't have the rigid structures that kills everything else it's like there's not there's no such thing as my way or no way because that will will make any business transform is really a hell of a job and it wouldn't work and would not give it any benefit and all of the investment would just be wasted and washed away.
2: Oh, it's me now, sorry. I was like thinking about this one, and, uh, forget my my statement. So I have a statement that says even experienced employee receive training when in- initiatives are launched. So for me there are two angles of this. I 100% agree with, with this statement. But I'm a little bit afraid about the experienced employee not wanted to have a training, saying that yeah, I'm, you know, I'm I'm uh, experienced enough to be able to deliver. But then, if we want to build the innovation in the organization, then always there is something new that we can learn. And even though if you knew know everything, you can be a you can be a trainer. You can you can actually share the knowledge with people who are less experienced than you and uh for me 100 percent is like related to the fast uh fast strategy a quick
0: um, um thoughts on my side i think you know and just some reflection reflecting back on, on what we talked about training developments and expensive versus you know uh, versus reward and, and you know return on investments etc but there's a lot of things that any organization could do it doesn't cost any money
2: mm-hmm.
0: and you're right about it and i think Personally I, I'm not a fan of having a training class, sitting in and listening, you know, it's to me it's quite boring. I could do that without being in a class. Others have a different, you know, uh, um, opinion on that. But my if I reflect back, the biggest learning I've got is just by talking to people who are more experienced than, they, than than me and then being giving getting the chance to work in, in a on a project or an in initiatives with those people. It's just, I learn more on, on the job by just working with more experienced, more seasoned professional than I am, and I'm just, I'm good. And I think this is where as any business could do that so easily just having, you know, mentoring program. This just how hard is that to be? Nothing, actually. And, and it's actually two-way benefit for both. Even a seasoned professional, sometimes they have a blind spot. You, you you'll be surprised and i have got surprised many times talking to relatives or friends they just they're still either in either university or just graduated very fresh they come up with an idea and, and never thought of why is that because we think that we are you know perfect to all and we we everyone has an ego on that one but if you just think about it and just open yourself and say okay i want to mentor that i'm in in a senior position, I want to mentor a few people that just genuinely joined the organizations. You would learn from them, probably they would learn more from you. It was just a win win and cost the, cost the business nothing,
2: zero. Yeah. And I think this is where the big role of managers and actually the HR department is. So to encourage people to, no, no, matter, what, no matter what, still develop, uh, whether this is the area of your current work or the area that you can support in the future
1: again i think it's the it's the culture of the workplace mm-hmm. and the, again the strategy and the hr is important because if you're recruiting for somebody to do the job abc simple abc nothing else you ha- you open up that recruitment you look for a candidate that is going to fulfill your needs for abc you hire that person that person has taken the job maybe for a purpose. Maybe they have family, they have other, it's what we discussed before about having the purpose. They're happy to do their nine till five, ABC, happy. Mm-hmm. So then after two years, when you turn to that employee and say, oh, no, bye, we've changed our strategy now. You need to do X, Y, and Z, as well as A, B, and C. All of a sudden, it can be a pushback, but we'll actually, no, uh, I, uh, you know, I was hired to do A, B, C. Mm-hmm. Why should I do more than that? The, the, that, and exactly. this creates that, you know, this is why you get people not wanting to do extra training. We don't always know the individual's uh, personal circumstances. Was it why they're not able to do it? Why they, they took the job in the first place? Whereas if you're honest at a strategy level that goes down to recruitment to, to HR, to when you're having that interview with the person and you're clear saying, look, was it at the moment we we'll want to hire you because of ABC? However, we want to move our company into XYZ, and we will help you learn that skill set. That is a completely different thing. That person then can't say after one, two years, I don't want to do that training. I don't want to do this. It creates that culture, but the culture has to come from the strategy, was that down to the uh, the company strategy, down to recruitment strategy all the way into the uh, the the team members. That,
0: that's why you hire for tomorrow, not yeah. for today. So yeah. if you if you look into a profile where everyone else could benefit from a certain, you know, experience and competence beyond the core one required for doing the daily job and then you will you will the, the level of expectation will be really clear why you hire that person in particular, right? Yeah. And then when they join the organization they the your expectation is really clear and then for them they know exactly what they're getting themselves in. Part 3 will continue our strategy dive in, so stay tuned and follow us.